Hi, and welcome back once again, dear friends, to Dissecting Dexter. I'm your host, Gareth Watkins, coming to you not from the mobile studio deep in the heart of beautiful rural North Yorkshire, England. Uh, I'm still working from home. Yes, COVID is still very much with us and my work. Uh, I'm quite happy for us to continue to work from home and just travel about as we need to, uh, which suits me just fine, to be quite honest. <laughs> I wonder if I'll ever record one of these from the from the mobile studio again. It would be nice to, even if just for old time's sake. Anyway, we are here once again for a rewatch podcast. We're back in season three, uh, chugging away there. I've I've uh, returned to the rewatch podcast because I I'm determined to finish what I started. It's been a bit of a busy summer, so I I did do episode two. Uh, it was a few weeks ago now, uh, and I was hoping to do this one a bit sooner, but. Uh, well, here we are now. It is, uh, where are we? It's September the 17th as I record today. Um, had my birthday a week ago. I won't say how old I was because uh, I stopped counting when I was um, 21. Um, at least I think it was. It was that long ago. I can't really remember. <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah, summer's gone. We're into the autumn and uh, yeah, it's still quite nice and warm out there, actually. The um, autumn isn't really fully upon us yet. Uh, so uh, yeah, I'm quite happy with the still quite mild days. Still enjoying some time in the garden, which is good. A nice benefit of being able to work from home is being able to sit outside in the garden and have your lunch. Uh, unfortunately, the Wi-Fi signal's rubbish out there, or I'd sit there with my laptop as well and do some work. Alas, can't have everything. <laughs> well, the new season of Dexter, the revival, uh, Dexter New Blood, aka season nine, um, but I guess we should call it New Blood is uh, is fast approaching it's less than two months away the podcast will be back week to week to recap and review each episode and i i very much hope uh, the community around the podcast will will get back together and we'll uh, we'll get some good feedback going and some good discussion because uh, that's what i love about doing this is interacting with you guys and, and hearing what you think and being able to react and respond to that so uh yeah november not far away We've had trailers, uh, we've had teasers, there's probably going to be more in the pipeline uh, before then, not just from Showtime, but from from me as well. Uh, so keep your eyes peeled on the Facebook page and on the Twitter feed, it's at Dissect Dexter, and uh, you'll be able to keep up to date with, with what's going on. Okay, so I shall waffle no more, let's get into the recap and review. This is season three Episode 3, The Lion Sleeps Tonight. Original air date, the 8th of May 2009. Written by future, future showrunner Scott Buck and directed by John Dahl. Here we go. Ah, normality for Dexter. A far cry from stabbing someone in the neck like he did last episode. They're out grocery shopping, Rita commenting on the nappies. She's already made her decision to keep the baby while Dex still can't make up his mind how he feels about it. Like we talked about last time, Dex isn't unusual being apprehensive at the prospect of becoming a parent, but for him, it's maybe particularly challenging to get his head around. The shopping trip takes a darker turn when Dexter notices a man talking to Asta. He's immediately protective of her. A natural fatherly response, as he puts it, 
recognising another predator sniffing around one of his cubs. Could be innocent, of course, but this is Dexter and we know his gut instincts are usually on the money. He notes the guy's car licence plate to revisit later. At Miami Metro, Masuka is handing out copies of the journal he's just been published in. Very proud he is, but generally being met with apathy from his colleagues. He later finds one of the journals in the bin and he's really hurt about it. Quinn tries to make trivial conversation with Dexter in the kitchen. Dexter, for all his efforts at trying to fit in and not stand out, maintain his semblance of normality. He's never been one for small talk. Quinn's the new guy in the office and although he comes across a bit cocky, he's making an effort here. But Dexter's lack of interest in small talk about real sugar versus artificial sweetener just comes across as a bit rude. Ah, Quinn will get used to it. (laughs) Miguel arrives and Batista jumps up to make everyone look busy on his brother's case. Miguel thanks LaGuerta for making Dexter available to help him and what a great support he's been. Poor Dexter. (laughs) He's in a spot here. Miguel is the only living person, as he puts it, to have seen him with blood on his hands. And here he is trying to be his friend. It's a quandary. How can he back off now without seeming rude or risking offending or pissing off a very influential person? Having friends might seem like a good thing to help Dexter maintain his facade, but at the same time, it risks people getting too close and arousing suspicions. Miguel further encourages things by inviting Dex and Rita for drinks after work. Meanwhile, Batista and LaGuerta talk about the Chicky Hines case the one brought up last episode where one of Miguel's recent convictions might be unsafe and an innocent man went down. Someone came forward giving Hines an alibi, but Miguel seems reluctant to go and question them about it. Perhaps uneasy about having one of his convictions overturned and how it could make him look. I'd bet it would look worse for him if the truth went public and everyone knew he'd done nothing. He's intending to run for district attorney, so won't want to have any blemishes on his record. Suddenly... Deb takes a call and announces to everybody, there's another body, again with some skin sliced off like the last one. Freebo is struck again, or so they think. Clearly, someone else is out there killing. The police thinks it's Freebo. But Dex and Miguel exchange glances, thinking the same thing. It can't be Freebo, which means there is another serial killer out there, surely, doesn't it? Hmm? So they go and see the body and it's laid out there by the beach. Big chunk of skin missing from the chest. Dex just stands by and observes, allowing the others to spitball theories, but generally they fancy Freebo for it. The police canvass people in the area and Deb speaks to a guy pruning palm trees. He's called George King and he called the police about the body, although his colleague found it. Hey, Dex, let's grab a beer tonight and talk about my Jane Doe. I'd like to help you, but I really have too much to deal with right now. What do you have to deal with? Rita's pregnant. Say again? Rita's pregnant. You're lying. I'm not lying. A baby? A motherfucking rolling poly chubby cheek shit machine? Are you kidding me? Well, I've never heard it described in quite those words before, but yeah. That's so great. <laughs> I'm so happy for you guys. Well, thank you. He drops it in there like he's telling her he's thinking about buying a new vacuum cleaner. Deb's so pleased, though. It's lovely. Later, talking to Rita, 
she's suffering from morning sickness and mentions some checkups with the doctor. Dex volunteers to go and get checked out too. She's pleased at his involvement, but again says he'll make a good father. And then the caveat, if he wants to. She seems pretty easy going about this as to whether he wants to sign up to this or not. When they go to meet up with the Prados, Rita tells Miguel's wife Sylvia that she thinks Dex is just a bit overwhelmed about the baby news, suggesting she thinks he'll come round to the idea. Excuse me. Miguel introduces Dex to his brother Ramon, who is openly cold to him. Afterwards, Miguel talks to Dex a little about, about fatherhood. I don't know if his wife put him up to it. I wouldn't be surprised. The conversation turns to Freebo. Dex confirms Freebo's dead and the police are mistaken, thinking it's him. Miguel observes Dexter's disposition, that he seems a bit unsettled. Does he believe that Dex actually killed him? So he thinks Dex is a bit unsettled, as anyone would be having just killed someone. Dexter thinks he's looking for signs that he's normal. Dex offers that he's not been sleeping well, and Miguel expresses his eternal gratitude for what he did. That night, Dexter's back in his apartment, and he comments about the busy day at work, and now the calm, cool, aloneness of home, as he puts it. Interesting how he observes this. Now, we all like time on our own occasionally. Some of us are perfectly happy in our own company from time to time. For Dexter, who has to make an effort to appear normal, all the day's interactions, they, they must take a lot of effort and energy out of him. I know people with anxieties talk about the energy spent trying to cope and manage them throughout the day. And then they get home and sometimes let off steam in their safe place, like the pressure cooker going off. This isn't exactly the same thing here, but it reminded me of it. So Dex is on his computer, looking up the guy who spoke to Asta, Nathan Martin. And lo and behold, a check of the sex offenders register comes up Trump's. Martin is on there. And there he was today chatting to Asta. His research is interrupted by Miguel at the door with a couple of beers. Dexter isn't sure if it's creepy or the sort of things that friends do. Miguel shares how he got to the States from Cuba with his parents. He talks about his relationship with his father, how his dad thought of him as a failure, how he could never measure up. And you can see on Dexter's face that the cogs in his head are turning and he shares some truths. My father was disgusted by me. Disgusted. An offense to the dead, but your, your father was an idiot. Never said that to anyone before. Not Rita. Not to my sister. Yeah, yeah, but Dexter, they, they wouldn't understand. You know, they, they don't know what it is to be a man, to be a son, or all that pressure. You grow up and be exactly the man your father molded you to be, and still... Not be good enough! Exactly. So, add low self-esteem to Dexter's list of issues. We've seen how Harry always supported Dexter as a child often at the expense of spending time with his daughter. But we've seen how so much of their time was spent to talking about Dexter's urges, darkness, bad deeds, all negative stuff. So Dexter grew up adhering to Harry's advice, the code helping shape how he conducts himself. But perhaps there was a part of him that didn't want to be like that. Yet his only role model was telling him otherwise. I don't know, it's just something to think about. The conversation turns back to Freebo. Kel's surprise. 
Miguel's had a bright idea that they could dump his body somewhere, then pretend he's had a tip-off. The police find Freebo and bingo, the case is closed. Fantastic. Of course, we know what Dexter will have done with the body, but the truth of that might freak Miguel the hell out and probably arouse all kinds of other suspicions, which Dexter doesn't want. Miguel seems to need to see a body, so Dexter has to blag this somehow. We join Deb, having quite a heated chat with Anton, looking for more information. She's hot-headed and giving him some shit. He doesn't want to play and wants to try and get rid of her. So he lights up a joint, thinking it will make her leave. It does the opposite, though, and she arrests him. Dexter has his medical, and it made me smile when he commented about having to pay for the privilege of being virtually dissected. And I thought, that's what we do here (laughs) on the podcast. While he's having an MRI, he drifts off and we get a dreamlike sequence talking with Harry. He's being shown brain scans of a murderer, how one side of the brain is smaller, the part that processes emotions. Harry lays it over the scan of Dexter's brain and says, oh, look, they're the same, meaning Dexter is a murderer. And, oh, look, he can't process emotions very well either. Well, thanks, Dad. How nice of you. (laughs) We know that Dexter has difficulty processing emotions sometimes. It's something we've seen him try to work through, though. And I think we've seen enough already to be optimistic for him. Want to end up on my table? Email dissectingdexter at gmail.com. Next day, Dexter takes Miguel to a cemetery and makes out like he put Freebo's body in an open grave, dug ready for a funeral, covered it himself with some dirt before a coffin was placed on top the next day, thereby saving him having to conjure up a corpse to satisfy Miguel's curiosity. Miguel does bring up the person skinning and murdering these other people. Of course, not surprising he should be concerned. Freebo's dead, but there is still a killer out there. It's a concern that the police are wasting time trying to find Freebo. Of course, Miguel's got a professional concern and they agree that they need to steer the police in the right direction. Later, Dexter's at the beach with Rita and the kids. As they pack away, he notices Nathan Martin there, already pegged as a sex offender, now here taking photos of Asta. Not good. She notices him, and when Rita asks Dexter, he has to reassure her, but clearly this guy could become a problem that he needs to deal with. Dexter goes with Rita to a yoga class for expecting parents, instantly regretting it, and his voiceover's funny. As the teacher engages with him, he says, I could probably kill her before anyone notices what happened. There's a moment, though, when the dads have to put a hand gently on the mother's pregnant tummies and send positive energy. Dexter hesitates, his voiceover saying... I don't want to hurt it. After the amusement of his comment about the teacher, this was jarring and sad, like he doesn't want to taint the unborn child with his negative energy. We join Miguel at the courthouse, where the Chicky Hines case is concluded with sentencing, and he's gone down for a long time. Laguerta asks him about the witness she gave him that could have exonerated Hines, but Miguel's having none of it, saying he did review it but didn't think it held water. The witness is a convicted felon and he's just another scumbag trying to play the system, he says. Heinz's lawyer comes out and talks to the press. She's angry about what she sees as a miscarriage of justice and LaGuerta listens with interest. Something tells me we've not heard the last of this. We join Quinn, who's pissed off. (laughs) Why? Because Deb arrested his CI. Then, as she responds, he starts flirting with her. He's a regular Jack the Lad, isn't he? 
Batista intervenes and supports Deb, but after Quinn's gone, he quietly suggests she releases Anton. She sees Anton again at the club later and they apologise to each other before he sings a song he's written about her. Oh, how sweet, at least on the surface. (laughs) It's a little squirmy and she's kind of awkward as he sings and she starts to sway to the music, sort of semi-dancing before someone tells her the song isn't very complimentary. It feels like these two are doing a bit of a dance of their own, like there's some latent sexual chemistry going on. We join Nathan Martin enjoying his day, smiling as he watches some children playing, his camera on the table next to him, and Dexter takes a seat opposite and warns him to stay away from his kids. Martin denies any wrongdoing, but Dexter calls him out for what he is. Martin admits that he did make a mistake, did his time, and now he's changed. Dexter, however, says it's impossible to change. We are what we are, indicating both of them as he says it, probably leaving Martin a bit puzzled. Will he be left thinking Dexter is like him, being interested in kids? Probably not what Dexter was aiming for. But that night, Dexter goes to his house. As he looks in the window, he observes how Martin looks normal from the outside, but flawed on the inside, like him. He recognises the parallels, although their areas of interest are very different. Dexter says he would never hurt a child. Although Martin hasn't killed anyone, meaning he doesn't fit the code. Back home, Dexter prints out Tegan Campbell's driver's licence, which we see him make into missing person posters to stick up around town. Some little breadcrumbs to help Deb's case along and ease the pressure on him and Miguel. Deb meets with Dexter later and explains and he expresses his doubts about being a dad and being there for the baby at all. I love that Deb's reaction is to punch him in the arm multiple times and verbally tear him a new one. We know Dex has normal doubts about his ability to be a dad. Most men have that at some point, I think, but perhaps that sequence we saw with Dex and Harry just now is making him wonder if his only father figure might not have been the best person to model himself on. Deb gives him, gives him a nice pep talk, though, telling him to put the baby first and its needs come first. But then she notices one of Dexter's Tegan posters and rushes off. Oh, she's such a lovely sister to him. She's good for him. She really is. Gotta love Deb. They cut to the chase and having looked into Tegan, they find that Freebo has an alibi for when Tegan was murdered and maybe didn't even know she was dead. So for them, it looks like Freebo is off the hook for these murders. So they now have to regroup and get out there again, looking for someone new for these murders, now referring to the perp as the Skinner. Dex rings Miguel to tell him the news, but with urgency, Miguel asks to meet him. He's found out that the investigation has shifted away from Freebo, just like he wanted. He's really impressed with Dexter, who's all modest and gives credit to Deb. Miguel has noticed Dexter is uncomfortable with compliments and seems to be guarded around him. Obviously, we understand why that might be, but then we know him better, don't we? Miguel appreciates Dexter being cautious and assures him they're on the same side. So, in a rather surprising gesture to affirm the trust between them, Miguel gives him the shirt he wore the night Freebo died the one that we saw at the end of the last episode with Freebo's blood on it. It implicates Miguel in the death, but gives it to Dexter as a show of trust. Quite a grand gesture. It's an interesting point in the friendship. Miguel says he sees potential in Dexter and acknowledges that Dexter might be the only person who doesn't realise it. 
Dex starts to ask himself whether he's actually found someone he can genuinely confide in, confide in, but suggests he might be stupid to even consider that. It would be beneficial for Dexter to have someone to confide in. We all need someone we can truly be ourselves with. But let's face it, when you're someone who has the kind of things in their head like Dexter has, is there anyone he could talk to who wouldn't recoil from the truth? In the meantime, he has to continue hiding his darkness, which takes a huge amount of effort, pretending to be the nice, normal Dexter he wants people to see him as. So, getting towards the end of the episode, we see a bit of dark Dexter as he pays Nathan Martin a visit at home. Bearing in mind this guy hasn't killed anyone, so doesn't fit Harry's code, but of course, many consider child abusers to be worse than murderers, so I can't say I'm sorry to see him get choked out. He sat there looking at photos of Aster when Dexter walks in, for God's sake. Dex says, nobody hurts my children. As a father, being protective of our kids is perfectly natural. And him being protective of Aster and Cody is probably his main motivation here, more than simply ridding society of a nasty piece of work. As a parent, it's an uncomfortable question to consider whether we would take a life to protect our children. If it came down to it and we thought they were in serious danger. I'll just leave that with you. <laughs> that went dark, didn't it? <laughs> Dexter's day finishes back at Rita's. And I noticed they had the characters wearing clothes in matching colours. Perhaps a representation, a production design choice. That Dexter is coming round to aligning with Rita about the pregnancy. He puts his hand gently on her tummy and sends positive vibes to their baby. It's touching that he does this, perhaps through his recent actions, realising he has a natural, protective, fatherly instinct for Astra and Cody, and now maybe more so for his own child. It's a turning point for him, and a brave one, because we've seen no signs that he has any intention of stopping killing. But becoming a parent is certainly something that will demand, demand a lot of his time and energy, so maybe he'll be too knackered to go out and stalk someone at the end of a busy day. Listener Feedback Okay, we've got some really good in-depth commentary about this episode from our old friend Travis in California, across the pond from where I am. Travis can always be relied upon for some challenging analysis and uh, he gives us a top quality report here on the episode. Take it away, mate. Yes, the lion may sleep tonight, but during the daylight hours, this lion's binge-watching Dexter to get caught up before the revival starts in November. That's right, it's your friend Travis, and I just watched Season 3, Episode 3, The Lion Sleeps Tonight. And it's a good one. Now, I've never been shy about defending Dexter... Season three, that is, I mean. Uh, I, I feel like it's 100% the black sheep, the least popular of the first half of the series. But I, ooh, I think it's so good. And I think this episode's pretty good, too. Although I admit, as I'm watching it now for the first time in probably eight years, maybe a little more. I don't remember the last time I did, like, a whole series rewatch. I used to do them frequently while the series was running. But I haven't returned to the series since it ended. As I'm watching season three now for the first time in so long, I am noticing little 
conveniences for Dexter, contrivances, little cheesy things. I'm like, oh, okay, well, hmm, all right, that's not so great. But it's still good. And, man, you know, someone's got to love it, and I'll do it. So this is uh, a big episode for Dexter. This is uh, the episode, the first episode, I, I would say, yeah, he steps outside. He broadens the scope of his of his code, right? He kills someone who has never killed anyone before, right? Nathan Martin, the pedophile. Cheerios man. Do you think General Mills is thrilled about this pedophile being called Cheerios man? I don't know how product placement works. I cuz a lot of times these places will use fake products, right? You know, even uh in the last episode Freebo was eating some kind of fake Cinnamon Toast Crunch. It was like cinnamon swirl cereal or something, right? But like I noticed in this episode, they're drinking Pepsis at that festival. And now uh, 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 Cheerios Man is associating the wholesome goodness of Cheerios that children worldwide love with pedophilia. I wonder if they have to ask permission for that or maybe it's true what they say, you know, what what is it... uh, Bad news is good news, or what's the expression I'm looking for? You know what I'm talking about. There's no such thing as bad press. At any rate, uh, yeah, Dexter kills kills Nathan Martin, uh, even though he hasn't killed anybody. It's really interesting. There's this is where my mind goes to. Here, this is probably going to be what this majority of this feedback is. My mind. This makes me think of like occasionally people will say things like, man, I wish Dexter is real, or, you know, uh, man, if the Bay Harbor Butcher was real, I'd support him, right? You know, they like this idea of this vigilante justice type thing. And it does sound good, right, when you think about, like, because we know Dexter's a fictional TV show. We know, oh, yeah, well, he checks it. He never makes mistakes, well, rarely. And, but then when he kills someone like this, where you're, you know, I don't know. You know, you're like, oh, a pedophile's a pretty bad guy, right? You know, I'm not heartless. In fact, I work with children. I understand. But you're like, well, man, he didn't do nothing. He didn't do anything bad yet. You know, that's the part where you, you're like, man, well, would we really support Dexter if he were real? If something like this happened? If some dude just took the law in his hands, decided without any kind of due process, oh, this guy's dead, this guy's not. That's bad, right? I think about superheroes, like probably like the two most popular superheroes, Spider-Man and Batman. They do that shit all the time. They just beat up people indiscriminately. Fuck it. Whatever. You know, Batman breaks a dude's jaw because he's trying to to steal a... He's trying to open a car to steal the iPhone inside or something, right? And Batman breaks his fucking jaw. Like, goddamn. And people like this guy? I don't know. That's... that's. Uh, do you see the connection I'm making, Gareth? Does this make sense to you? This This episode, it gets me thinking. That's why it's a good one. Is vigilante justice a good idea? Now, we know, because we see in the show, Nathan Martin seems kind of like a sex pervert, right? He's He insists, like, man, I made one mistake a long time ago, and I paid for my price. I paid the price. And then, But Dexter kind of... Dexter sneaks up on him in his house, and he's looking at photos of Aster. He's just looking, though. You know, it's like he hasn't done anything yet. This is like Minority Report. Can we... Can we punish... Pre-cog- Do we have precognition crime fighting? 1984, thought crimes, you know, ooh, literary. That's why season, you don't get this kind of discussion out of season four. 
Sorry, all you Trinity heads out there. I'm a Miguel Prado fan. This Season 3 gets deep into this. Uh, maybe not. At any rate, uh, I, I wrote down... Let me... Where, where did I put my notes? I'm outside right now. So some, th- some things I noticed. Uh, highlight of the episode... Great characterization for Dexter. Uh, Dexter and Miguel are walking in the cemetery. And Miguel t- says, you know, like, man, well, we got a problem because if Freebo didn't kill this dude, if Freebo didn't kill Tegan, I mean, then the real killer's still out there. And Dexter, the great, the great part that I like is Dexter's like, well, how's that our problem? Like, Dexter, great characterization for Dexter. He's just so focused on his own problems, right? He doesn't really care if the police catch this guy, he's like, yeah, how's that our problem? Because justice isn't being served. And Dexter's like, oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dexter tried to act like, right, right, right. Yeah, I know that. I know that. I think that's great. I like that. Uh, there's a scene, this isn't a highlight exactly, just something I noticed. There's a scene, Quinn's trying to make small talk with Dexter. And he's like, you know, Dexter's not having it. And Quinn's like, oh, you're not really the chatty type, are you? And Dexter's like, no, not. Which I think is kind of funny because it was like, yeah, go back to season one. Dexter definitely was supposed to be the chatty type, right? He's supposed to be the fake-friendly, schmoozy, donut guy, right? It's something I, I recall being very complainy about in the later seasons is Dexter just seems like a bore. He's just always got this sour look on his face in the later seasons. Yeah, and it, it just makes you think, why would anybody like this guy? I would probably think he was a serial killer if this dude came to my work and as such a fucking sourpuss every day. And I know when I saw this in season three, I was like, oh, did, did it creep in as early as that? Dexter just being kind of rude to Quinn for no reason. Interesting. I don't know. Uh, and then finally, uh, the smallest thing I noted, um, Dexter makes that, that flyer for Tegan, you know, to, to try to tip Deb off onto, onto Tegan. And, uh, you know, have you seen Tegan Campbell? If so, call Miami Metro Homicide. And the, the phone number, you know, all these TV shows have to put fake phone numbers. Most of them do it. Some of them don't. Shoutouts to Breaking Bad. Who doesn't? Um, but, yeah, they have this fake phone number. And it's one digit off of the Simpsons phone number, I noticed. You know, because it was the first thing that caught my eye was Miami Metro's phone, num- phone number is Klondike 50110. Well, that Klondike 5, that's old-timey. Like, that. no one's used those letters for numbers since like 19 fucking 48 or something and Klondike 5 that would translate to 555 which is the fake phone numbers for TV shows everywhere and yet the Simpsons phone number is Klondike 50113 and so you know I'm a big nerd as you can tell and so I noticed that me that's that's the almost the Simpsons phone number these fucking Clyde Phillips you hack fraud we're putting you in charge of new blood Oh, no. New Blood's gonna... Dexter's gonna have to kill Sideshow Bob now. Mm. Anyway, uh, that might be all I have to say. I'm rambling. Gareth, I'm glad you're back. Oh, thanks, Travis. As always, you bring up the hard truths about the episodes and ask some serious questions. The main point I want to uh, respond to, though, is vigilante justice a good thing? You could argue not. That's what we have a justice system for, isn't it? But as Dexter makes clear in season one, the system is not perfect and guilty people do fall through the cracks. I guess you could say 
that to root for him to take out guilty murderers is to advocate for an eye for an eye, which is a moral question we could spend an age debating way beyond the scope of a TV show. I mean, clearly most of Dexter's victims are proper murderous scum and shouldn't be on the streets, but like you say, Travis, and like Dexter admitted, Nathan Martin hadn't killed anyone. But then paedophiles often start with just looking at pictures. Then their behaviour gradually escalates. It deepens and progresses. Not that I'm any kind of expert, but it has to start somewhere. And maybe Martin was a future child killer. Who knows? But at this point, he's not guilty of murder. Dex, though, says Harry's isn't the only code. So he's setting a precedent here. And it's maybe a dodgy one for the show to dance around as it opens the door for him to kill anyone that suits him. We know, though, that he only kills Martin to protect his children and other kids as a consequence. Wasn't the show a lot simpler when he just stuck to Harry's code? We knew where we were. <laughs> I think as an audience, we don't like our own moral values to be challenged, but this episode does raise some valid moral questions that might make us uncomfortable to think about. So that's it for another Dissecting Dexter. Another rewatch podcast is in the bag and dumped in the ocean. That is the internet. Join me again before too long. We'll get together. We will be uh, doing another preview for the new uh, season, Dexter New Blood. So watch out for more content about that uh, coming up soon and more rewatch podcasts coming your way before the new season airs. So exciting. Can't believe we're getting new Dexter. I think enough time has passed that the that the collective mixed emotions at the end there of season eight have subsided. And I think a lot of us are doing rewatches and um, uh, loving this show again, which is really good. So hopefully we'll all be in, in the same mindset for, uh, for New Blood in November. But for now, uh, if you have any theories or thoughts or predictions about the new season, drop me a line, dissectingdexter at gmail.com, where you could also send me uh, a voice memo if you like, a voice recording, MP3 or whatever, and get your voice on the podcast. You could message me on Twitter at dissectdexter, or you can message me through the Facebook page. Just search for Dissecting Dexter on there and you will find it. Okay, that's it. We'll be dissecting some more Dexter very soon. Until then, take care, guys. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.